Father, we pray very simply now and uh, ask, would you quiet our hearts um, as we come to listen to your word so that we can hear your voice this morning? And we pray that you would take away anything that would distract us from hearing the things that you want to say to us. And our prayer is that your word would feed us and your spirit would lead us um, as we go into the week ahead. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so we are, um, we're back in the Sermon on the Mount um, after a, a little break for Easter. Um, just to remind you where we are, we're in, um, Caleb, if you can get my clicker on for me, we're in this middle section of the Sermon on the Mount, oh, um, where Jesus is warning us to watch out, to beware, uh, not to practice our righteousness in front of others to be seen. So that's kind of our big theme. Don't show off your, your righteousness, your good deeds to be seen by others. And before Easter, we were thinking about the theme of giving and not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Um, but now this week, Jesus turns his attention to prayer. So still thinking about that theme of not performing in front of others. Um, but we're going to think about prayer uh, this morning. So let's read together. This is Matthew chapter 6, uh, reading from verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's where we're going to end our reading. We'll, we'll pick up the wee bit about forgiveness uh, that comes next uh, next week. Um, there's a lot um, that we could say about these verses and the Lord's Prayer alone. Uh, we could we could easily do a whole series on the Lord's Prayer, and we have done before. I'm actually not going to talk a whole lot about the Lord's Prayer this morning. Um, what's been on my heart this week um, is really to keep things quite simple. So this is quite a simple message this morning. Um, and I want to bring us two simple challenges from this little passage this morning. Um, and the first challenge is this, to make sure your inside is bigger than your outside. I want to explain maybe what I, what I mean by that. Um, I don't think, I was thinking about this, I don't think I've ever watched an episode of Doctor Who in my entire life. I don't know if that makes me strange or not. Um, so what I'm a, this illustration is pretty much the only thing I know about Doctor Who. Okay. Um, but, uh, all I know is this is that the doctor travels around in a time machine 
which from the outside looks like this, but from the inside looks something like this. Uh, when you go in the door, there's this incredible, I don't know, I have no idea, I, I'm beyond my knowledge now, I don't know what all is going on in there, but it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Uh, and when it comes to your prayer life and your life with God, I want to encourage you and myself, we need to make sure our inside is bigger than our outside. Make sure that the hidden secret part is bigger than the outside public part. And there's something here that is really, really key for our spiritual health. We get into all kinds of trouble when our outside becomes bigger than our inside. We need to make sure the inside is bigger. Um, maybe let me mention some ways that we can get this wrong. Some ways that we get this inside out and our, our outside becomes uh, bigger than the inside. Uh, one is this, that sometimes we pray, we can find that we are praying more in public than in private. So you can find in your life that you pray when you're in church, you pray when you're in home group, you pray when you're at the prayer meeting, you pray maybe when you're with other people. But sometimes we can drift into a situation where we pray very little when we're by ourselves. Um, and of course, there should be times when we pray with others and it's good to pray with others, it's great to pray with others. But our hidden prayer life should be bigger than our public prayer life. There's something wrong if we're praying more when we're visible than whenever we're hidden away. Um, here's another way we maybe get it wrong. We can uh, we can tell people that we're praying for them, uh, but rarely do. Um, it's so easy for it to slip off the tongue to say to someone, when someone tells us they're going through a hard time, I'll be praying for you. I'm praying for you. Or we send someone a wee text uh, when they've told us something tough is going on and say, I'm praying for you. And it's very easy to say. But maybe there's just a little question sometimes. How often do we actually follow through? Maybe sometimes we mumble a quick prayer to make sure that we're not lying. But that's about all that happens. We can cultivate the appearance of a prayerful person by constantly saying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. But maybe there's very little prayer actually going on. Or here's another way. We can talk more about God than we actually talk with God. Um, some of us love talking about God and we love discussions about God and Bible studies and debates even about theology and reading and thinking and talking and talking. Um, but if God becomes more a topic of conversation and less and less someone we meet with in the secret place, in the quiet place, to talk with, then we're heading for trouble. That's spiritually really dangerous for us. Our outside is becoming bigger than our inside. Um, or maybe again, there's a particular danger in the internet age that we can, we can cultivate an online reputation because, again, it's really easy to post a Bible verse or post an inspiring quotation or post a hashtag, pray for whatever it is that's going on in the world. Um, or post an article or post a video. And we, we look like a committed, spiritual, prayerful, soulful, engaged Christian. But how, how, how often does, is there reality lying behind that public image, that public facade? How long did we actually chew on that Bible verse for ourselves before we fired it up there online? 
have we even read the article that we're sharing with everybody or did we just like the title? Um, have we taken any of that stuff and turned it into prayer and turned it into life? Or are we just cultivating a, a public image? It's really easy for our outside to get bigger than our inside, but it's really dangerous for our souls uh, and our spiritual lives. And Jesus invites us to reverse the picture, to cultivate a, a hidden secret life with God, which no one else will see, but w- which will actually become the wellspring of your life, the source of your health and your vitality, is that place that nobody sees. Um, and I love the simplicity of Jesus' words. What does he say? He says, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> So it's not complicated teaching. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. Um, and I don't want to complicate it this morning or give you rules about how to do this. Um, you need to work this out for yourself in the circumstances of your life, what that means to go to your room, to close the door, to pray to your father. Um, it's really clear, I think, that it involves some intentionality. Um, we don't just wake up one day with a vibrant prayer life. Um, you have to want this. You have to seek this. You have to choose this. You have to decide this really matters to me and go after it um, and, and really go for it. Um, it's also clear to me when I hear these words from Jesus that we're going to need a guarded time and place. We've talked about this before. We're going to need a guarded time and place to be with our Father. Um, we all... We all want to be those people who pray all the time as we go and have this kind of informal conversational relationship with the Father that's really spontaneous. But even Jesus himself withdrew often by himself to a quiet place to pray. And he says to us, go to your room, (laughs) close the door, pray to your Father. We're not going to be able to cultivate that vibrant uh, walk with God without guarding a time and a place where that happens. Um, and we've maybe we have all kinds of practical questions. You know, what room should I go to? You've got to work that out for you. Uh, somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted, where you're not going to be distracted. Uh, maybe we wonder, how long do I need to do this for every day if I'm going to have a, a healthy spiritual life? Um, sometimes whenever I've talked about this before, I think I've said, you know, don't, don't try to be heroic. Don't, don't get up and try and do prayer from five o'clock to eight o'clock every day. Um, cause most of us will not be able to sustain that and we'll, we'll fizzle out. Uh, maybe you're an exception. Um, so normally I, I kind of say, don't try and be heroic. Keep it something sustainable. Um, a little bit of time every day will do you more good than, uh, something really ad hoc. Um, but I, I want to read you something when I was reading this week. Um, I came across these words from, uh, they're from a German pastor called Helmut Thielicke, uh, who I quoted a few weeks ago. And I find this really challenging. He says, this is my experience. The shorter and more hurried our prayer time becomes until finally it dwindles to a few seconds of reading the daily text, the more it actually becomes a burden. Because these few seconds lack strength and savor, which means that they have no quietness in them, and therefore no longer provide 
a sustaining foundation for the day. Um, I found that really, that rang true for me. So it's maybe, I want to say both things, don't try and be heroic, but on the other hand, our time with God needs to be unhurried. If it's going to have that quietness in it that gives savour and strength to our day. So you've got to work that out for you. What does it mean to have time that is guarded so that it's unhurried with the Father? Uh, maybe it's typical of our age and our generation that most of us say, I want to have a rich and satisfying prayer life and I'm willing to invest 10 minutes a day to get it. <laughs> That's kind of often the way we, we think. We need to decide how much this matters to us and then we need to go after it. Go to your room, close the door, pray to your father. So that was kind of the first big challenge. Just uh, make sure your inside is bigger than your outside. Cultivate that hidden life with God that will be the wellspring of your your life. Um, Here's the second challenge. Um, Very simple as well. Um, As you pray, let your words be few and simple. Um, I I love this bit of teaching from Jesus and I always find it really challenging. Um, He says, do not babble like the pagans who think they will be heard because of their many words. And again, he says it again to make sure we heard it. Do not be like them. And Jesus goes on uh, to give us a prayer, uh, which we call the Lord's Prayer. Um, and there's so much we could say about it. But right now, I just want to make this simple observation that the prayer Jesus gives us is really short. <laughs> um, in the Greek, it's 57 words long, his prayer. Um, and it's also simple. When I say it's simple, um, of course, it's also deep and profound, and you can spend a lifetime reflecting on it and keep finding new things. But it's it's simple in the sense that it's not complicated or elaborate. It's simple and direct and plain. These short clauses of prayer, uh, these simple requests uh, that Jesus gives us. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. So it seems to me Jesus is saying, Keep your prayers short and keep them simple. Um, and it seems to me, every time I read it again, I think this is very direct and clear teaching, but we're not very good at putting this into practice. We have a habit in our church culture uh, today of making our prayers long and wordy and elaborate. Um, and, I, and I want to think with you a little bit about this, because this is one of those places where Jesus' teaching seems quite clear, but our practice seems to be a wee bit out of kilter. Um, I, I remember when I was a child, and some of you will have similar memories, but I remember sometimes listening to the adults in my church pray. Uh, and I remember sometimes breaking the rules and opening my eyes. Um, because, to be totally honest, I was kind of amazed by the the prayers that were prayed. Um, because it was... And, 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 I hope I don't mean this in a in a uh, insulting or or uh, disrespectful way, but it was a kind of amazing theatrical performance. Um, there were there were people who could pray, and the voice would rise and the voice would fall, and it would sound nothing like that person's normal voice, which I'd heard. Um, but this was a different voice that they had for when they were praying, and they would begin the prayer with all kinds of elaborate addresses to God. 
and they would pray in 17th century English, um, complete with these and those. And they would quote in the prayer incredibly huge chunks of scripture and hymn, verses of hymns. And they would go on for a very, very, very long time. And as a little child, I would open my eyes and stare in genuine amazement. Um, it was an amazing thing to behold. Um, in the, the parenting course that um, some of us have been doing, um, Rachel Turner, uh, who, who does the course, uh, says that she's interviewed quite a lot of kids about uh, prayer. Uh, and she said to the kids, she, she asked the kids, how do you pray or how are you supposed to pray? And she discovered that the kids have really strong opinions about this. And they say to her, you have to have this posture and they show her the posture you have to have and what you have to do with your hands when you pray. And you have to close your eyes and you have to begin your prayer like this. And they tell her the, the formula for beginning your prayer. And you have to end your prayer like this. And they tell her the formula for ending the prayer. Um, and these are the kind of things you have to say to God. And Rachel Turner says she sometimes says to the kids, what would happen if you talked to God and you didn't do those things? And she says the kids, uh, almost without, without exception, look at her in horror and shock. Um, and, and essentially as she talks to them, they say to her, they're pretty sure prayer will not work if you don't do those things. And this has been her experience chatting to kids in all kinds of contexts all over, uh, all over the UK. Um, and of course, her question is, well, where did they get these ideas about prayer? That our father will not listen unless we pray in a particular manner, with a particular posture, with a particular formula, um, and all the rest. Uh, when you grow up hearing that kind of prayer that I described a wee minute ago, you assume that that's the right way to pray. And if you're to be a spiritual or mature person, that's the way you have to pray. And you either feel really intimidated and think, I'm never going to pray out loud because I could never pray like that. Or you start to copy that kind of praying. You start to learn the voice and the posture and the formulas and the cliches and all the rest. Um, I want to make really clear, um, I'm not wanting to point the finger at anyone else. Um, I see this tendency in myself uh, very often. Um, but I feel really challenged by the teaching of Jesus. He is saying that kind of praying that is elaborate and wordy and with formulas and with all the rest um, is more like praying like a Pharisee or praying like a pagan. Um, and so whenever we pray that way and teach our kids to pray that way, it's actually disobedience to the clear teaching of Jesus. He says, don't babble like the pagans. Don't use many words. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Um, so I was thinking about this. I'm trying to allow this to challenge me. Um, let me let me make a really simple observation, and you can uh, see if you agree with this or not. Um, but I would say, when I am in a spiritually healthy place, my prayers become simpler and shorter. When I am in a spiritually less healthy place, my prayers get longer and more waffly. That's the technical term, right? I don't know if I don't know if you recognize that in your own experience. So I was I was reflecting on this and wondering. Why do our prayers get longer and more elaborate whenever we're not doing so well 
um, spiritually. I want to want to suggest um, maybe three reasons why that might be. Um, this is very practical. Um, why do our prayers get long and elaborate? Um, one reason is that we're trying to impress other people. In other words, we're we're meant to be talking to God, but we're really aware of other people who are listening to us. And we're trying to sound like what we think a spiritual person sounds like. And we end up copying some role model that we've heard. Um, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to sound harsh on anybody here. This is really human. You know, ever since the garden, do you remember when Adam and Eve realized that they were naked? Um, we have been self-conscious creatures. We're really aware that other people are looking at us. It's really hard to break free from that. And we find it really hard to shake this off. And um, so, I don't know if you ever have this experience, but I sometimes find in my life when I'm praying with other people, I start off wanting to pray really simple. I have a simple idea in my head of what I want to pray. But then as I start praying, I start to become self-conscious and I start to pile in these cliches and this kind of waffle that starts to come in. And I actually have these almost out-of-body experiences where I'm looking at myself praying and going, what are you talking about? I don't know if anybody, anybody else has ever had this experience. A couple of you are, are smiling. But it's self-consciousness that takes us in that direction. And the answer is not to become better at the performance. That's the danger. We just try and get better at pulling off that performance. But the answer is to keep asking God to set us free from that self-consciousness, to remember that we're talking to him and not talking to the audience and to help us talk to him with simplicity. Um, so that's one possibility. We're trying to impress other people, and we need God's help uh, to be set free from that. Um, the second possibility, which is a little different, is that we're trying to inspire other people. In other words, we're, we're very aware of others who are with us as we pray, and we genuinely want them to be encouraged and inspired, but we essentially kind of start to preach rather than to pray. Um, the problem here is kind of that we're trying to make something happen in the room. We're trying to stir everybody up. We're trying to lift up everybody's hearts by praying in a way that will be really inspiring for everybody around us, including ourselves. Uh, and we're trying, maybe, I don't know if this is better or worse uh, than the other. We're trying to inspire rather than impress. But still all that trying can get really tiring. Trying to lift up the hearts of everybody else, that can get really tiring. The heart of prayer is meant to be resting in God, coming to him in our weakness and helplessness and saying, we need you to inspire us and encourage us and be the one who lifts up our hearts and lifts up our heads. Um, and so maybe that's a very subtle one. That as we're, we're praying, we're really preaching to the room and trying to inspire everybody. And maybe it's just good to pause and go, God is the one who lifts up our hearts and I just need to rest in him. And in prayer, come with empty hands and say, we need you. Um, here's the third possibility. Um, and maybe it's the one that's most troubling of all. It's the one that Jesus underlines. We think God is more likely to hear us if we pray in these elaborate ways. Um, we're aware that we're talking to God and not the crowd, but we think he's more likely to hear and answer if the prayer is long and wordy and complex. Um, 
And I found myself writing down as I prepared this, and I was talking to myself, when we think like that, what on earth is going on? What do we think we're doing? And maybe more importantly, who do we think we're talking to (laughs) that we think he's more likely to hear us if we are impressive in our language and in our performance? Um, The pagans, if you've ever read anything about uh, the Greeks and the Romans, you'll know that the gods that they believed in didn't care that much about human beings. They really weren't that interested in human beings. They were kind of a selfish, self-absorbed lot getting on with their own dramas. And so if you were a pagan and you wanted to get the attention of those that kind of god, you had to make a bit of noise. You had to do something impressive to try to grab their attention, whether it was a ritual or a a, a shouting or a, a or an elaborate, impressive prayer. Um, maybe the best example of this in the Bible is the prophets of Baal in the story of Elijah. Do you remember how they they danced around and they shouted and they cut themselves because they're trying to get the attention of a God who's really not that interested in human beings? Is that the kind of God that we're talking to when we pray? What kind of God are we coming to? Um, And maybe it's good that we come to this topic of prayer a week after Easter. Um, Because what story did we tell last weekend? We told the story of the God who came all the way down to look for us, to find us, to rescue us, to bring us home, who took our sin, who took our shame, who took the curse, who removed every barrier between sinful humans and holy gods. So the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, and the way is open for us to approach God with freedom and confidence. So what on earth do we think we're doing? when we think that he needs a song and a dance, that he needs a performance, that he needs elaborate, fancy words before he's going to hear us. We're not talking to a distant God whose attention we need to grab. We're not talking to a God whose back is turned to us, who we need to persuade to turn around. We're not talking to a God who's reluctant to get involved in our lives. We're not talking to a God who's uninterested in our lives. If the the story of Easter tells us anything, it tells us his face is turned towards us. His ear is inclined towards us. His heart is for us. And he is ready and willing to act on our behalf. That's the God revealed in Jesus. And it's when we understand the heart of God and the character of God that all our pretensions get stripped away. And we realize he doesn't need the song and dance. He doesn't need an elaborate show. He doesn't need formulas or cliches. We can approach with freedom and confidence, which means we can approach with the simplicity of a child. Uh, We can come as we are and speak to our Father. So let your words be few and let your words be simple. Um, I want to read you to finish um, just a few more words from Helmut Helmut Thielicke. Uh, which I found just really helpful when I read them this week. Um, you may you may want to listen to them more than once. You can come back and listen on the recording, um, or I'll send them out with the Monday email um, as well. Uh, but just listen to these words, and then we'll pray, um, and then we'll sing just to respond. Um, this is what, what Helmut Deliger writes. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. He's already there even before your need comes. 
He's already there ahead of the waves that threaten to engulf you. I, your Savior, am already there before your sins. You have only to claim what lies ready for you to use. For the blessing and the help and the salvation are there, ready at hand. Don't you see that all your efforts, your chattering of empty phrases, your crying is like battering down a door that is already open? Don't you see what a terrible distrust this is of him who has opened the door and is waiting for you, as did the father of the prodigal son? What you're doing in these furious prayers is like writing threatening letters to your father, telling him he's obligated to help you, when all the while this father is thinking of you day and night and waiting for the first sign that you're willing to come home. When you know that someone loves you and is near to you, it doesn't require many words, but only a quiet sign, a glance, a little suggestion, and he will understand. Should it be any different with your Father in heaven? Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's pray, and I'll keep it short. (laughs) Father, we ask, uh, we want to ask for your help to put these things that we've heard into action in our lives this week. Father, we pray you would forgive us when our outside is bigger than our inside. I want to pray you'd help each of us to cultivate that hidden inner life with you that would be the the source and the wellspring of our lives. Father, show each of us in practice how to do that, how to guard that time with the Father at the heart of our days. And Father, we pray you would forgive us when we make prayer complicated and when we show off with lots of words and lots of elaborate complexity. Thank you that we can come to you in simplicity like a child and talk to you about what's on our hearts. Father, help help us to trust you enough to do that. Thank you for the privilege of prayer that we can talk to you about anything that's going on in our lives and in our days and in our world. And know that you hear. And know that you are for us. And know that you are already acting on our behalf. Father, help us to come simply. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.